Hello, everyone. This is the Connected Family Podcast, episode number 17. This podcast is produced by Connections Family Counseling, LLC, a group counseling practice located in Quincy, Illinois, that helps build resilient kids, strong marriages, and connected families. My name is Mark Vanderlei, and I'm your host. Today's episode is all about how to talk to your kids about sex. My guest again today is Michelle Robison, and we are having a conversation which we like to entitle Adventures in Overthinking It. Here now is our discussion regarding how to talk to your kids about sex. All right, so welcome to the Connected Family Podcast here again. I have my guest, Michelle Robison, joining me. We're going to have another one of our discussions, Adventures in Overthinking It. And uh, today we're going to be talking about how to talk to your kids about sex. So it will be an interesting discussion, don't you think, Michelle? Yes, I think so. Yeah. I think it'll be very interesting. And and um, as I claim, I as I said to you earlier, I'm not going to claim expertise, you know, in this in this uh, matter. However, of course, being a parent and a clinician, um, it is definitely something that has ha- has come up, and we've had yeah. to figure out how to walk through it. Yeah, we've had to have some of those awkward conversations, both with clients and our kids. And so hopefully there's some things that we can learn through this conversation. And even the people who are listening, hopefully will have some opportunity to learn. So what are the first things that come to your mind as you think about what's important for parents when they talk to their kids about sex? Well, I think one, you got to talk to them. <laughs> do That's it. the first thing you got to do it. Yeah. Um, the second thing is to do it, as you mentioned, often not just saving it all up for one big, huge talk. Um, And to remember that um, the way that kids think about and kids are with sex is different than how adults are. Mm. Um, And so I think the biggest lesson for me that was learned as a clinician working in, in my role was that you have to first normalize it, talk about what the truth is Mm -hmm. about it, share information, um, normal, you know, put, put, put out there what's developmentally appropriate and try not to wig out, <laughs> Yeah, you know, as the adult, you know, try to, try to just be matter of fact about it. Yeah. So even talking about it often, I, I kind of think talking about it early and often. So early on when they're young, having sex be appropriately in the context yeah. of their development, development, talking about sex early, you know, all the way throughout their development and then often on a regular basis because it, you know, the more you talk about it, the earlier you talk about it, the more normal it becomes to talk about it. And then you become the place as the parent where they go to when they have questions about what's happening in my body. What is this piece of part of my body? What, why is it different than, you know, the other, why is it my, what I have different than what those people have in regards to right. just the bio- biological apparatus that we're given. But you want to be the person that they go to to get right. their information. And so as you normalize it and talk about it and are comfortable talking about it, then they're going to be more comfortable talking to you about it um, and coming yeah. to you. Yeah. And then I guess another question that probably has come up is, um, figuring out what is appropriate and at, and at what age is it appropriate? Um, I mean, you're not going to have 
full on, you know, discussions, you know, with a two year old, but, yeah. you know, if questions come up, you know, um, about where does the babies come from, you know, having, having a, 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 a truthful conversation, you know, about sharing with that, you're not going to get into all the detail and nitty gritty about it. But I think, I think just that's where it starts is just, you know, trying to find ways as the adult to, to what's a normal developmental stage for these kids. Yes. It's normal that they're asking questions. Yes. They're normal that they're exploring their bodies, that they're touching their bodies, that they're trying to figure out what's going on with their body. That's all normal. That doesn't mean that there's something wrong with them. Right. Um, and I think as parents, we're always worried, right. That something our kid is doing is different than other kids. And perhaps in the, in the community of people that we're in, you know, it's, it, it, it was not something that was always discussed, you know, it was not something that was talked about. And so, um, as, as adults trying to figure that out is challenging because I think what you say is important is we want them to come to us, not, not to look to, to the media and everything. Cause they're certainly going to get it, you know, that way. So, yeah. you, so you, you gotta, you gotta beat them. So you gotta, mm-hmm. you gotta get, get to them first before that. And unfortunately for, our kids that's happening super early these days. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking as you were talking about like, um, and discussing it and having it be normalized, you know, using language, even with a really young child, you know, a, a two year old or whatever, the appropriate language for body parts and those types of things I think is, is helpful because it helps to give them that language to talk about what this is and verbalize um, what their experiences are uh, in that. And then the way that we respond to that can be helpful. This, I don't know if this is appropriate or not, but I have this story that we sometimes, you know, with my kids, I want to give them the language. I want them to know that they can use the words and that sort of stuff. And I don't flip out when they use the words. So with our boys, Sometimes, and this was, you know, a couple of years ago, we would use the word penis, right? And we're wanting them to be comfortable using the word penis. And there's a penis game that sometimes adolescent boys play that's kind of inappropriate in regards to who is brave enough to say the word penis the loudest in public. And so not that we've ever played that game. We don't play that game in public. But sometimes at the dinner table, when this conversation will come up, I, mean, I don't know why, but sometimes we'll start talking about sex with them and I'll use the word penis, you know, uh-huh. um, just because I it sounds a little bit irreverent, honestly, when I do it. Um, and I feel irreverent when I say that word. And I think that comes from my, yes. you know, the community that I grew up in where that's a word that's not used and right. you, you right. protect that word. So I feel ir- irreverent using it, but I don't want them to feel irreverent right. using it. I right. want them to feel like they can. So sadly, even sometimes at the dinner table, we'll I'll use the word. Now, what also is sometimes uncomfortable for me is we've done that also with our daughter. Uh-huh. And so she'll say the word vagina sometimes. And coming out of her mouth, it just sounds, oh, my goodness. This is, so, is this OK? And so, I, you know, we're doing it. We're going through it. I don't know if it's right or not. Mm-hmm. But um, using the language, I guess. Right. Uh, we'll find out in 10 years or 15 years. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess what you're doing is you're desensitizing them a bit to the the shock of it all. Right. right? Yeah. You know, and that it's 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 a it, it's a normal um, part of your body and that it's not putting this stigma to it. And not that I mean, we certainly want them to be able to protect themselves and 
and guard against and um, but you're coming at it from a positive perspective as opposed to this hyper vigilant secretive protective thing so that if something does go wrong they're like able to come to you in the same fashion that they would if they skin their knee mm-hmm. you know if something happened they would be able to say oh okay this happened you know i fell down and this got hurt or yeah. You know, my knee got hurt or I could say this, this happened and this, you know, I was, I, I was worried about this relationship or this happened, you know, when they're 15 years old, because you've put all that work into it, you know, you've not made it a huge, like, Oh no word, you know, right. um, kind of thing. So yeah. I think it's wise. I think it, it's really wise. And, and yeah, it is. I mean, even now I'm still having a hard time like saying it, <laughs> um, but you know, you're much further along than I am. I think in that, you know, I, I go back to the story of my first daughter when I was a therapist and my friend had this great book and it was, you know, describing everything and showing everything, you know, with pictures and just really again, normalizing it. And uh-huh. um, as Christians, we of course want to talk about it being a special thing between um, our parent, you know, when you're married and, and all of that. And so I had this elaborate, um, you know, day planned, you know, where Will and I were going to sit down and talk to her about it. And I had shown him the book ahead of time, you know, uh-huh. and yeah. I had, had said, okay, this is what we're going to do. And, but it had been a while, you know, before I, we actually did it. And yeah. so the day came and we pulled, we, it was just he and I, and I pulled the book out and in my best clinical voice, my best therapist voice, I said, we're going to sit down, we're going to read this book. And this is just something really special that mom and dad have to, to share with you. It's just, it's something that is, is really neat. And we want you to know about it. And I pulled this book out with all these cartoon characters and she's sitting next to me and Will's on the other side and and he looks at this book and he looks at me and he I start reading it, you know, and he and Jet and Kayla look at each other and they just burst into to laughter. <laughs> and he's like, Are we really reading this? And I'm like, going on, you know, like I would if I was in session. And and that all to be said is it truly just broke the ice. Like at the end of that, we're like, Oh my goodness. Yes. We're, we're laughing about this. Mom is trying to be really serious about this. But at the end of the day, this was a real uh, uncomfortable kind of tricky situation. But what it's done now that my daughter's a little older is, you know, we're pretty free to talk, you know, we're pretty free to share some of these things and to talk about this. And we look back and we laugh on it. And I'm by no way claiming that I did this correctly um, because I, I don't think I, I, I I didn't, I I waited and did, you know, the big, the big talk and stuff Uh like that. Um, But at least the ice was broken. So, you know, I guess there's no right or wrong way. It's, it's just trying to figure out the best way for your family and not, not making it a big, a big, um, thing you can't talk about right. you know you have to get comfortable and just make sure to warn the other spouse if you're <laughs> pulling out a book that has yeah. pictures and, well, and I, characters i'm struck by being intentional about it so it doesn't yeah. matter how you do it necessarily as long as you intentionally do it yes and because intentionally doing it breaks the ice and yeah. opens it up as something you can talk about as opposed to 
not talking about it and avoiding it, even though you've never said, well, we can't talk about that. Yeah. The implied message is, oh, we don't talk about that because the issue is there. The feelings are there. The the information is there someplace lurking around and they have access to it outside of the home or whatever. And by not opening up that conversation as the parent on your own, the implied message is, well, we just don't talk about that. Right. I think. And so I think you're exactly right. I think intentionally bringing it up um, because they're not going to bring it up. Maybe if you don't. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think they're going to bring it up because how would they bring it up? You know, I mean, it was awkward enough for for us as adults to try to bring that up, you know, and, you know, (laughs) (laughs) but yeah, yeah, I think I think you're right. I think it definitely needs to be intentional and and more than just one time. Definitely, you know, and finding something that fits with your values, you know, and Mm -hmm. and something that um, that goes along with it. I know in schools, they of course talk about, you know, your body is yourselves, you know, is, you have control over that and things like that. Yeah. But I don't think it's up. It should be left up to just the schools, you know, to right. talk to. Yeah. Um, I think it, I think it needs to be a combination and, you know, I don't know. I'm trying to think if there was any discussion of it in churches, you know, maybe like in our Calvinettes or, or Girl Scouts or, you know, things like that, there might've been, um, you know, some, how to take care of your body and, and things like that. But I, I mean, certainly in girls, we had that, but I don't know. Did you have any of that in with the boy stuff that you did? Not so much. Boy uh, scouts or that I recall. No, I don't think so. But I think that's a really good point to make that, you know, so we're Christians and we really believe that that's a high value. And I think sometimes the church avoids those discussions. Yeah. Um, You know, I had a a previous podcast a few weeks ago that was released was about pornography. And definitely the topic that came up was, man, the church needs to be the place where pornography and sexuality and the conversation is being had. Because if we're not having it in the church, then they're getting that information. Our kids are getting that information from other places. And that we, I think, we have values that some of our values are shared there with the general population. The first, we're not beaten if we're not giving them our perspective and the biblical perspective from the beginning. Um, then it's going to be harder for them to kind of understand that and see that perspective if they get a different perspective first. So I think the I church agree. needs to be leading that conversation. I, I I agree, and I think that you know that's a, probably a really. I really so so you spoke with him. So is he seeing that in churches? That man that you spoke with? The use of pornography? Uh-huh. Oh yeah. I mean he yeah. so he's a pastor at a Christian college. Oh, okay. And is often encountering kids at this college that he works at, um, who are, you know, struggling with pornography use. Okay. Okay. Um he, he said sixty-four percent of adolescents aged thirteen to twenty-four actively seek out pornography on a weekly basis. Wow. So over half. And so starting at uh, 13. Yeah. So that just gives you some insight into how quickly and how soon, you know, soon you need to be having these conversations. Oh yeah. Early on. I mean, so we've talked, you know, not saying that I did it right or anything, but you know, we've talked uh, with our kids about pornography, but even what I'm finding is that my oldest is 13, right? So he's very aware and I've talked to him a lot 
And most of the conversations that have occurred regarding pornography and sex overall with our kids, we have three boys and have occurred with the oldest and the other two sort of there along with him and also participating, you know, but those all happened a year and a half to two years ago. So as I'm kind of catching up or talking with the other boys now, I'm realizing particularly the youngest who's now 10 Oh, he, he doesn't remember those conversations. So I had these conversations with all three of them thinking, oh, yeah, I've talked to him over and over again. I'm ahead of the game. Yeah, I'm done. These guys got the information they know or they need and, and we're ready to go. But what I'm finding and why I say early and often is because the younger one is not remembering those conversations. So although our oldest is pretty aware and informed about sex and pornography and stuff the youngest has less information and so i recall okay i need to go back and have those conversations again with those right. younger ones right. and, and so that's where it comes in i think often you know yeah. over and over again lots of small chunks i think yeah lots of small chunks. To really big ones yeah 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 which then takes the, the awkwardness out of it, you know, then it just becomes this running commentary or this running dialogue that, that you have and you can reference it, you know, remember when, and, you know, this is what we talked about then, how is it different now? And, yeah. and, you know, are you exposed to any of those kinds of things on the daily or when, when have you run up against that? Or, you know, I mean, it's not just even straight up pornography. I mean, it's just the way that, you know, some of these cartoons and things are drawn anymore. Yeah. It's just the, everything is so much more sexualized and so you can just be sitting and watching regular tv and be completely bombarded by that and so you know talking about that you know how do you handle that or um when are when are those kinds of situations you know coming up for you in school and what are you talking about there you know honestly i <laughs> yesterday i was going out to my car and i looked at the top of my car and i said to my husband and i don't i said someone drew a penis on the top of my car <laughs> <laughs> and he said well yeah i'm sure it was one of our kids' friends you know it was doing that and, and so i like looked at it and i'm like oh okay i got in the car and he's like well did you wipe it off and i'm like no i i didn't i didn't i didn't want you know but it's just like <laughs> i didn't want to touch that, it it was gross that kind of stuff still happens yeah, right. You know, I mean, yeah. and, and she's a girl and her, I'm sure it was her boy friends who were boys. And I was just like, you know, yes, this is part of development, right? This is part of, uh, <laughs> I was yeah. just like kind of taken aback. Like why, who would have drawn a penis on the top of my car? <laughs> and he's like, Oh, Michelle, you know, but I mean, it's just like that kind of getting in the headspace of where your kids are and, you yeah. know, realizing that, you know, this is the kind of behavior that they do. And this doesn't mean that they're bad, right? You know, not pathologizing it, not making it, well, I wonder what's wrong with them. You know, because I think as clinicians, you know, or even parents, we get worried, you know, when we start to see this kind of sexualized behavior, you know, mm -hmm. people like to throw that word around and we're so hypervigilant, which we should be, you know, in our society. Um, but I think we have to realize that child, child you know, sexuality with children is different than sexuality with, with adults. And we have to be careful not to pathologize it. And we have yeah. to be careful to, you know, really make sure that our kids understand or the children you're working with understand, you know, the basics and what's normal and, and not to 
overanalyze it early on and, and put something onto what's a normal um, sexuality um, and, and making it something that it's not. Yeah. Um, and so that was one of the biggest lessons I learned, I think, um, in the work that I did was, was learning to truly figure out what's developmentally appropriate mm-hmm. and then to put some education on that. And then to work with parents around that and teaching them and, and making sure it was okay for us to have those conversations. Yeah. And some parents were not okay with that. And some parents were okay with that. And I tried to handle it from the perspective of, you know, this is, this is what we have to do first before we can do anything, any, any of this other wondering, you know, because you don't want to put something on this that isn't there, you know, and you want to make sure that, you know, I think a lot of parents have had struggles, you know, with kids coming out of orphanages, for example, who are, um, excessively masturbating, you know, and they might be two and three years old. And so, you know, they're masturbating for a reason that perhaps is different than what, you know, you're, you're putting onto that. This could be a regulatory process. This could be a soothing issue. This could be, there could be a lot of things going on um, with that. So let's try to understand that a little bit more first. Yeah. So as you were talking about that, one of the principles that I think about a lot with it is sometimes adults put adult meaning on behavior that has a different meaning when it's done as a child. So we're looking at what the child is doing and we're taking all of our knowledge and the meaning that we ascribe to that behavior as adults and go, oh, my goodness, this kid is, you know, patholo- we've pathologized it or we have this thought about what it means to masturbate, you know, based on our understanding and meaning. But it's totally different when it's at this different developmental stage. And so then understanding that from that developmental perspective really helps to, as a parent, understand that behavior. Um, And then you talked about education. So, you know, as we were talking about the pornography uh, issue, one of the things that um, Pastor, his name was Aaron Bart, he said in that issue or in that uh, episode was, we are educating our kids. We're not educating them from something. We're educating them for something. Right. And so we have to educate our kids about sexuality, about pornography for that time when they are exposed to it and for preparation of right. their sexual maturity. Because if we're trying to educate educate them from it, meaning don't, don't be sexual, don't uh, involve yourself in these... Um, development sexually well they're going to be sexual people they are right already and right. we're educating them for yes. that sexuality which is something that glorifies god and right. is worshipful um and so we want to educate them for that to prepare them for that place that they're going to end up being that's so true that's right um, so i thought that was really nice um stuff that he was talking about there was something else that i wrote down yeah. Anyway, I had another thought, but now it's escaping me. Basically, the adult meaning idea and the idea of educating, yeah. I think, is so important. Oh, I think so. true. Very, very true. Good. Anything else? Any other thoughts on that? Oh, oh there was another one. Um, you had talked about how sometimes parents have a really hard time talking about this with their kids. Mm-hmm. And even in the, you know, in the context where you were talking in regards to your treatment of the child. Mm-hmm. Um, and what came to my mind was sometimes parents have had hard experiences themselves right? in regards to 
sexuality, whether it's experiencing sexual abuse or right. assault or something like that, which can make it difficult right. to have these frank, open, relaxed discussions on this topic. Right. And I think we have to be sensitive to that. And, right. You know, what, what do you think, what do parents do in those situations if part of their struggle is their history um, part of their own hurt in that area. Well, I think, I think of course, what you have to do is you have to get work around that, you know, or talk to somebody about that um, so that you can discuss it from a healthier perspective, you know, because I think when we don't work on our own issues, our own issues come out and take precedence in, in, in how we are going to present things to other people. And, and so you may become, if you don't work on that, for example, hypervigilant or very sheltering or, you know, never wanting to expose your kids to anything because, or, you know, situations or birthday parties or overnights or, you know, mm. things like that, because you're so worried that something might happen. That's, that's you, you know, going from a, coming at it from a perspective of protection rather than, you know, one of educating them for it, you know, protecting yeah. them for it. And they're kind of like, why can't I go on overnights? I don't understand. Well, you'll understand someday, you know, kind of thing. So I think we, we as parents or parents who've had trauma in their history needs to get some work done around on that. And, and the more work they get, then, then through that, they'll be able to also be like, okay, this is, I need to talk to my kids about that. How can I do that? And they don't have to tell all of their nitty gritty detail and story. Right. You know, I mean, I think they still need to maintain boundaries around that mm-hmm. and not come out and say, well, this is what happened to me, you know, and so this is what you need to do. No, kids don't want to hear that. Kids right. don't want to know that that's not appropriate for them to know your details mm-hmm. and, and, and your trauma, but you certainly get some work done around that so that you can be come at it from a non a, 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 a more centered place yourself because I, yeah. I do I think it is a real it is a real issue and we know that so many um, people are traumatized I think it's you know what's the statistic like one or two out of five you know I mean mm-hmm. one in five I, I think it's if, if not higher now yeah. um, have had some kind of uh, sexual abuse like that um, so it's it's a really real issue really real issue especially you know in the church you know if it if if, if people have experienced that kind of abuse, um, then, then where do you turn for that? If you can't turn to your pastor or you can't turn, then you, then you got to go to therapy. Okay. Yeah. Then that makes me crazy, you know, or that there must be something wrong with me. So, I mean, it's, it's a real catch 22, isn't it? What, yeah. what would you say, what would you say would be your recommendation on that? Well, yeah, I think definitely getting, you know, if what's holding a parent back is their, their history, whether it's, you know, and I would, you know, even want to say that, you know, maybe for for some, it probably is some sort of sexual abuse and trauma related mm-hmm. to that. Other people could also be um, sort of a rigid, mm. a, a rigid environment that they grew up in mm. that wasn't necessarily abusive, but also wasn't open and didn't openly discuss mm. sexuality or mm. or whatever that makes it really really difficult to be able to openly discuss it themselves either way i think in both in both contexts i think being able to talk you know work on it with somebody else yeah um talk about it maybe in the lesser you know the the more rigid 
context environment, maybe you can talk about it with your spouse and a, a spouse who had a different experience would be yeah. able to help you work through that and be able to talk about it more freely and openly. Definitely, I think if one has experienced some trauma in that area, it would be helpful to get treatment. Actually, yesterday I recorded a different podcast episode with someone who we were talking about the topic of how the Bible and church institutions have sometimes been used in abusive in an abusive way. And you kind of touched on that where, you know, even in the church, sometimes it can be used uh, to oppress women, particularly maybe, but also men, and is not openly discussed and how detrimental that can be. And so, you know, some people have grown up in churches where the Bible is interpreted in such ways that they don't have a voice to be able to talk about this. And uh, so I think talking about it, and that's kind of why I wanted, you know, to bring right. up this topic is let's have a, let's talk about it and open up yeah. that conversation because um, it's good and it's, it's, a, it's needed um, from the Christian perspective. And I think, you know, what, what I go back to is the word that you brought up before was intentionality, mm-hmm. you know, so if you've experienced rigidity in the home or you've experienced trauma, being intentional about finding someone to talk to being intentional about walking through that so that you can give your kids a different experience and, and coming to some, some boundaries or some decisions about this is how I want my kids to grow up. I want them to experience it differently than I, than I did. And I want to hear from other people what their experiences were so that I can come to some understanding of what it is that I want to teach my children rather than being reactive to it and having to be stuttering around when your kids ask, you know, those questions that you're not prepared to tell them, you know, like you said, we're bringing it up. We're having conversations. We're using real terminology We're we're not making it so, uh, hard to talk about. We're just making it very matter of fact. This is what happens to your body. This is what's going on. These are what this is called. Um, it just takes all of that pressure away, you know, yeah. from, from, from it, which I do think it, it builds up over time if you don't. So, yeah. Yeah. And I think, uh, just one, you know, maybe final thought is that it doesn't have to be perfect. There's no like perfect way that it has to be any attempt in that direction. Any approximation of the goal, I think right. is different than that experience that you're hoping that might have not been so positive for right. you. Right. Uh, and so, you know, it doesn't have to be leaps and bounds different, but slightly different even right. pretty make significant um, right. different inroads. I was, I'm also struck by the fact that whether it's the rigid environment where it was never talked about mm-hmm. or the, in, or the environment that was sort of abusive in nature, really it's a boundary issue. Mm-hmm. It comes down to over uh, overly diffuse boundaries when it comes to abuse and or overly rigid boundaries on the other end of the spectrum. Right. And so seeking, you know, where's the right line and how we talk about it and um, not overly open and right. boundary less, which becomes right. abusive, whether it's right. and, and but not overly rigid either. Right. Um, right. Much so. No, I think that's a great, I think that's a great point. Cause I mean, you can still have a, I think the other thing to keep in mind is you can still have a, a, a home that is rigid or loose, 
and the boundaries are perhaps it's not, um, you know, actually being perpetrated upon you, but the, the loose boundaries means that perhaps there's inappropriate television programs on, or perhaps doors are left open when people are, you know, engaging in behavior or people are walking around, you know, not fully clothed or, you know, things like that. That type of behavior is, is more, um, passive types of behavior, but it still can affect, you know, a child negatively and can still be perceived as, as inappropriate, poor boundaries and, and, and sexually, sexually abusive to that child, even though it's not, um, something that is necessarily being overtly done to them. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's a good point, you know, that, that, that we're aware of, we're aware that there are boundaries and, and there, we need to find out what, what is appropriate and what's the, he- the healthiest. And yeah. if you've been raised in either one of those, you have to check it out with other people in order to figure out mm-hmm. what's normal and what normal is relative, what's right. healthiest, right? Yeah. What's healthiest. And so, it's often not until you are in those conversations with other people that you realize, oh, okay, that probably wasn't the greatest, you know, scenario for someone or, you know, that, that wasn't, um, uh, what you could never talk about it. Oh, we talked about it all the time, but it was inappropriately discussed. So, you know, that also is not effective. So I think it's, it's, it's really talking about it is the biggest thing. I think, I think you, you hit the nail on the head is being intentional and really just being open, you know, to discussing it and seeing, you know, what, what, what we need to do to, to really try to, um, to be healthy about it. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. I never imagined that would I have a conversation about sex with my sister and broadcast it to the world through oh a podcast? Gosh, Who would yeah, imagine? That might be kind of weird for people. Yeah, <laughs> I think it was okay. It was appropriate. It was okay. It was okay. Yeah. It was okay. All, All right. right. Have Very a great good. week. You too. Take it easy. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Connected Family Podcast. We're dedicated to helping you build resilient kids, strong marriages, and connected families. If you'd like to continue the conversation about how to talk to your kids about sex, please join our Facebook group at facebook.com backslash groups backslash the Connected Family Podcast. This group consists of additional resources, discussion regarding episode topics, and support for building a connected family. You can also follow us on Instagram at Connections Family Counseling or find our website at connectionsquincy.com.